Hi, um, my name is Brooke, and this is the, um, I was going to say the Studio Wesley Annex podcast, because that's the one I do every week. This is the CCW, Campus to City Wesley's Coliseum podcast. If you're wondering what that means, we say the Coliseum podcast, because the idea is, um, it goes all the way back to Genesis and Jacob and God. And if you'll remember, Jacob, it's a whole thing, but like (laughs) Jacob was like walking by this river at night, like he was like getting away from his family. I don't know. And he comes across this random guy and he is like beats him up. And it turns out that guy was like God and God like rewarded him with like a new name for like fighting with him. And that's a weird story. But the idea, the idea that we're taking from that and applying to Romans is that there is a gift when we wrestle with God. There is a gift when we bring our honest questions and frustrations and concerns and feelings and life experiences to a text. And the idea that we're taking with this podcast um, is we're going to take Romans, which is a very, very hard text. We're going to take Romans and we are going to wrestle with it until we find a blessing. Um, and that's kind of beautiful. So today we are covering Romans nine, chapter 9, verse 30 through chapter 11, verse 36. Um, and it's it's a lot. Like I um, I had to preach on it on Wednesday. <laughs> I'm about to preach on it again. Um, and it's, um, I have a hard time saying things about it because it just seems like inside ball game for like first century Jewish people and I'm not a first century Jewish person but I'm I'm still really excited all the more to have this conversation because of how challenging it's been for me um so I'm going to start by introducing myself um I am Brooke I am currently an assistant director for CCW um and the fun question that we're doing is we're going to ask the question of who is a New Testament character that you like a whole, whole lot. And yeah, I did just see Jesus Christ Superstar and I feel, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, Jesus was my favorite. Jesus wasn't my favorite. Jesus was my favorite. So I'm going to say Jesus. Um, All right. So basic. I know. I hate, like, I really don't like liking the characters everybody else likes. Like, if there's a character that everyone else likes, I will, like, go out of my way to, like, deny all of my love for them. Um, But, yeah, that's where I'm at. I don't even have, like, a reason why I like Jesus. It's, no, it's the, it's the crucifixion story. Um, But, um, (laughs) watch, unpack there. But, um, but, yes, and, the next person I'm going to ask to introduce herself is Taylor. Hi, everyone. I'm Taylor. Um, I am a leader with CCW and also a junior at the University of North Florida. Um, and my favorite um, New Testament character, or the one that I really, really, really like, is Peter. Thank you, Taylor. Um, yeah, I just love being in the same space with you, Taylor, any day of the week, any hour on Zoom. 
Um, the next person I'm going to ask to introduce himself is Brian. Brian, tell us about yourself. Sure. Thanks. Um, excited to get to do this with you guys. I've uh, gone back and listened to some of the episodes, and so it's been fun to kind of watch the development of the uh, conversation here. So, yeah, my name is Brian uh, Ammerling. I think probably uh, part of the reason I was uh, asked to be here, it's like kind of become part of the St. Marco Church community. Um, currently, my uh, what I do for a living is um, based in engineering uh, for Florida Blue. But uh, for about 20 years, I was the uh, director of youth ministries at uh, Lakewood, uh, currently United Methodist Church, about not to be, but that's a different story. Um, and <clears throat> I was district youth coordinator for a little while for Northeast Florida, in addition to the, um, you know, being involved with the church. And so had a lot of background with ministry, ended up um, going to Asbury uh, Seminary, getting an MDiv because I thought I was going to, you know, become that quote unquote real pastor, um, but actually changed, uh, changed my mind, but still got the the degree. And, um, and so anyway, that, that kind of, you know, is my thing. Um, married two kids, my daughter, uh, I think most of you know her, she's at university of North Florida. Now has gotten involved with CCW. Um, my son is a, a junior in high school and uh, my wife is a preschool teacher. And, uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to get to talk about this. This is actually, a, uh, did an exegesis course in Romans, uh, in seminary and, um, it was awesome. Like it was just such an eye-opening course. So just to get to chat about it again is is uh, really cool stuff. So thanks. All right. And then we have Grace Rogers herself. Grace, can you introduce yourself to us? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Brian. Brian. I need Brian's favorite. New Testament character. Right. Yeah. Favorite Bible character. Right. Um, I don't know, like favorite, but definitely one I identify a lot with. Uh, so I love Thomas, uh, and part of what I love about Thomas, and I think it's because I, I really crave like authenticity and transparency is like, unlike everyone else hiding out after Jesus's death, Thomas is just straight up. Like, I'm not good with this. He's out like wandering around, you know, just sort of wrestling with what's going on. And the whole like doubting Thomas thing to me, I just see it as a, as a positive, like he was honest about where he was, what he needed. And I love that, like, uh, when he expresses that to the rest of the disciples and then even in front of Jesus, like Jesus meets him. Um, Jesus doesn't, you know, uh, blast him for, for the doubt, but he's, he actually, you know, meets him in the midst of it. So, um, I've always had a lot of respect for him and always felt like, uh, like Judas and like a few others, sometimes a little misconstrued or misunderstood. Uh, so I'm, I'm a big Thomas fan. My, my personal experience with Thomas. Um, yeah, I was that kid and I was Catholic. So we did CCD. I was that kid in CCD who like asked a lot of questions, right? Like maybe some of them will finally get answered when I go to seminary. Um, but I asked a whole bunch of questions and whenever, I don't know, whenever we read about Thomas, like I could physically see the teacher, like give me a side eye. Um, but yeah, no, Tom, we, Thomas is good. Thomas is good. All right, Grace, now it's your time. Tell us about yourself, please. Are you sure we want to open up that rabbit hole, Brooke? Um, hi, my name is Grace. Um, yeah, I've been part of CCW for a while now, which is wild looking back. Um, but yeah, I graduated from UNF in 2022. Um, I have a degree I have a degree 
not what I'm going for. I have a degree in interdisciplinary studies, focuses on religion, sociology, philosophy, um, about to zoom off to Emory Candler School of Theology with you, Brooke. Um, we're super excited about that. I don't even know what else to say about myself. I'll keep it simple. But I I have a really hard time picking favorites. And I have like four or five people floating around my head. I guess I have like four people and one Holy Spirit floating around in my head as my favorites. Um, today, I'll say Mary Magdalene, you know. Um, I just love her. And she is just consistent. You know, she's just always there and she's always, she's just sweet. I don't know. I love her. And like <laughs> growing up, and maybe this is just because I was ob oblivious to, to plenty of stuff as a kid, but growing up, right, had no idea of like any of her backing. I just knew she was a good friend of Jesus and she was always there with Jesus. And then you start to learn and like, you learn a bit more of like the significance of Jesus befriending her. Um, with her like work but it's just she's just really special and I know that her feast day is like in July but whenever I think about Easter I think about Mary Magdalene so I have a pretend little feast day on Easter for for Mary Magdalene um and also women proclaiming the gospel right women proclaiming the gospel so I could go on but I love her so much and I feel like she loves me Thank you for sharing that, Grace. Um, I will say, I um, gosh, if you love Mary Magdalene, if you love autistic people, I really recommend watching The Chosen because they they do portray Mary Magdalene, in my opinion, as an autistic woman. I don't think they know that, but like she's an autistic woman. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's really cool. Um, all right, so we're going to get started with our questions. And our first wonderful question around this text is, what did you like? And we are going to start with Taylor. Taylor, what did you like about this text? Yes. So um, I am like a quoting person. So I um, identified two sections of the text that I liked. The first was Romans chapter 11, verses 16 through 20. Um, I'll, I'll read it. If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, and though you and you, though a wild olive suit, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the very same sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If we do consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but trouble. 
So what I liked about that was the whole idea, like the whole theme of that section for me, that like if you are holy, then everyone else is holy too. So it's kind of like the coat comparison. And then if you're not holy, you can wiggle in yourself, kind of like grafting, so that everyone else can share that holiness with you. And then my second one was Romans chapter 10, verses 10, verses 10 and 11. Um, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Um, what I like about that part was like when you like fully believe something, you have to believe it with your heart. So like externally and internally you have to believe, like in order to truly believe, if that makes sense. Um and um but I think it's also saying that no matter how you believe, God will still love you just the same. So like if you believe like a little bit, God's still gonna love you. But if you believe a lot of it, God's still gonna love you the same way. It's not it's not different. I love that, Taylor, and I really appreciate your close reading of the text. I, um, yeah, like I, I didn't read all of that. I think it was saying that, but it is saying that. And I appreciate you bringing that up. And I think Grace seems to have a comment she would like to share with us. Taylor, you know what, (laughs) Taylor, you know what your first quote reminded me of? And you're talking about interwovenness. It sounds like crocheting. I'm going to be honest. It sounds like crochet. And I know you love to crochet. Um, and I don't know. I just I just love that for you. Wow. Like that feels like. So- I'm sorry. You know that very well. <laughs> of course. Well, you make all these little crafts and you're so happy to share with everybody. And that just like. I don't know. I think that's very cool. And I think that also like goes really well with like that is ingrained in you just like the other passage is saying like you just have it this like interwoven concept just like all over you and it's like the crochet is knitted together I mean it's it's crocheted together it's not knitted but the crochet is interwoven and you're just so like generous with that I don't know I just that just like screams Taylor the passage you you chose like totally screams you and it's fantastic Thank you. Yeah, I was trying to find, like, something that, like, spoke to me as, like, what I liked, but trying to understand, like, how I can relate to it or what I liked about it was good. <laughs> um, Ryan, what was the thing that you really liked about this passage? Uh, there's a good amount of stuff, but the the one thing I, I come back to a lot with uh, with Paul, and, I, and you see him doing it here, that is uh it's interesting because i i think we've kind of lost this art form um as as the centuries have gone by since paul which is um he he creatively uses uh scripture 
to make his points and make his arguments. Um, so we see like several times where he's making references back to Isaiah. He makes references back to Psalms and he's making them say things that if you go and read them, it's not what they say. I mean, it's just not what it's about, you know? And, and that's all right because you see Jesus doing that. Like, you know, when, when Jesus talks about giving the the sign of Jonah, you know, to uh, people and it's like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, you can get swallowed by a fish. And it was the whole, you know, obviously the, the three days uh, kind of thing, but it, it's interesting because that's such a, I believe my understanding is um, kind of a, a, an ancient Jewish like custom that you would part of it, part of the talent that you displayed was how you wrestled with the text in sort of these new meanings. And you can see uh, Paul is so um, is, is really straining to try and bring together these groups of people, uh, one of whom has like this Jewish background and they've come to some kind of knowledge of Jesus and this other group that just has no background in any of it. And both seem to think that they're superior to the other. And he's trying to bring them both really to the same table. And so he goes back and uses these, these texts because he starts talking to the Jewish people. So what is he going to use? He's going to use Jewish texts and he starts speaking about this stumbling block. And then you go read Isaiah and, and he's using it to say like, it's, it's not about works. It's all about faith. And then the passage that he points to in Isaiah is this passage where God is telling the people they need to return to like justice and, and righteousness. Like that justice is sort of the baseline for righteousness, which you can't have justice by thinking about it. Like it's literally something that's rooted in action, you know, that, that you take. And uh, later in, in chapter 11, he references um, uh, this passage in Psalms and it talks about may their eyes be darkened. And he's using it to really almost condemn like, all not maybe condensed too strong of a word, but, but really sort of push at the idea that there's this whole group of people who have been kind of pushed aside as David said that they would be so that there was room for the Gentiles. And then, but ultimately it'll, it'll bring those people back in. But like David is just on the run from his enemies and he feels surrounded. And so he basically, this Psalm is a cry to God. And it's also a call for God to bring justice to his enemies. It's not a, a blanket statement on the entire nation of Israel. And yet Paul uses it in that kind of creative way. And so I, I, I say all that to just say, like, I think it's just such a, it's an art form. I, I, I think we can still learn from, um, and, and it doesn't mean just make it say whatever we want, but I think just the idea of, of um, being able to wrestle with a text and find new things and see new things that that is like a, a longstanding tradition. Uh, and you see Paul just doing some interesting, interesting stuff and in all of his letters, when he goes back to Old Testament text, there's a lot of creative uses of those texts. Um, and it's, it's fun to watch uh, as he goes through. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It, um, I say something similar in my message tonight, but I'll definitely be like quoting some of your, <laughs> some of your more accurate language around that. Um, Grace, was there anything that you liked? There were quite a few things. Surprise. Um, I I really love how this section that we're looking at starts off. Um, so if we're looking at Romans 9, 31 and 32, um, I struggled with how to word the concept in my head. Because you know when sometimes scripture just speaks to you and you get the vibes, but then you try to explain it and it just doesn't work because it was a moment with you and the Bible and the Holy Spirit and it was just for y'all. Um, 
I really love in 31 and 32 when it says Israel, who did strive for the righteousness that's based on the law, did not succeed in fulfilling that law. Why not? Because they did not strive for it on the basis of faith, but as if it were based on works. And then it comes to the stumbling stone. Um, and it says that I'm laying in Zion a stone that will make people stumble, a rock that will make them fall. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. But I, I don't know. I just really love like the law was not going to work in this way. Like, the stone is going to make you stumble. You are going to stumble if you're going about it in a lot of times Paul compares the old way versus the new way. And fulfilling the new law or fulfilling the new explanation of what Jesus wants for us and what God wanted to do when Jesus came here just isn't about the like, the rules and the regulations in that way. It's not about like regulating. Well, did you do this thing? Well, you didn't do this thing. Why didn't you do this thing? And you're supposed to be doing this thing and you just messed up and now you have to go do something to make up for it. And it's less about this, like your action has to match this other action that you did or did not do. Um, and for me, that is just very fulfilling. And I know, this feels like, and we might need to edit this part out. I don't know how this is going to come across again, because the words are tough. Um, I feel like somebody could use this in like an anti-Semitic way, right? Of like, you're doing the law wrong. And you're not supposed to be doing it like that. Because this is the new law. And that's not at all what I get from this. Um, and I think like a simple exposure to a religion outside of Christianity can clear that up really quick. Um, there's a lot of content creators on TikTok, of course. <laughs> um, one of which, um, her, name, her name is Miriam, and I just love her. Um, she is Jewish. I believe she is Orthodox Jewish. I'm not, I don't remember her specific um, descriptor for her um, method of of, of Judaism, um, but she follows a lot of the laws, a lot of, of the rules that are, that are in the Bible. Um, and it seems really random for me as an outsider, but the more that she discusses it, the more that she talks about it, the intention is not to do the action to balance out the other actions or because you're obligated, but it's still about bringing closer your relationship with God. It's still, I'm doing this thing because this is how I want to interact with you, God. I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to, you asked me to do this thing and I want to do it. It's less of, oh, I did this thing wrong. So now I have to do this or I have to do this. There is no obligation and it still has the choice element. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just, I love the freedom that comes with these three verses and then the continuance um throughout the rest of the passage that we're looking at but it's it takes away the regulation of the rule and it it pulls us back to our intention um brian what do you want to say oh just uh to touch on the um you mentioned it being uh 
used at times as an anti-Semitic uh, text. And I think that that's pretty accurate historically. It, it clearly has been. And I think the, the beauty of this passage is if you, if you step away like one level from that kind of real specific use of, of the way Paul is approaching this, what Paul is doing is he's approaching people who are really religious and steeped in sort of this religious background. They've, you know, you could equate it to, I was born into a family who's always gone to church and I was raised in church and I grew up going to Bible studies and youth group and blah, 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 blah. And then this other group of people who like have really no background in any, any of that and have no real exposure to that. And so in it, it's like, if you can acknowledge your insiderness, isn't the thing that's going to actually save you, you know, the fact that you're on the inside of this thing. And so I think a lot of times, like we like the part where it's like, oh, the Gentiles have been brought in because like, we're technically Gentiles. But like, I think if he was writing today, like, we'd be the other folks, you know, we would be on that other side. And I think just the ability to acknowledge our insiderness, regardless of, of kind of what our background is, but just to recognize that the longer we're sort of walking this path, trying to follow Jesus in and around church stuff, we become more and more of the insider. And so to recognize like that we start to fall on the other side of that text and, and to not use this as some sort of bludgeoning tool to our Jewish brothers and sisters, but rather just to, to recognize this sort of the religiousness that comes in and it just, it, it can really bring a bad taste to everything, you know, because it, it just becomes this sort of like, um, like membership card that you carry and it's somehow makes you better than everybody else. And that, and that's really, you know, not, not the case at all. So I, I, totally agree with that sentiment. And that was definitely one of the things that, uh, that I circled back to, you know, several times. Yeah. Well, and even like, as we're closing out the passage, right, we get to 11, um, specifically for me, 11, 18. And it's not about anybody boasting about their specific thing. It's just this like beautiful celebration of inclusivity and interconnectedness. And like, it pulls me back to the, a body can't work with just an eye and an ear and I can't do what the ear does. And it just like, it is about this interconnectedness again, Taylor, but it's just about this like interconnectedness. It's not, oh, I'm better because I already got into the club. It's just, we're just all celebrating. We're just all celebrating at this point, or we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be celebrating. And y'all are really opening up this passage for me, but I I, I struggled with it. And the things that I like, um, Taylor and Grace haven't heard my message yet tonight, so I don't want to spoil it. But I am going to just say briefly that the thing I one of the things that I like, um, I'm looking at 10-4. Um, chapter 10, verse four, for Christ is the end of the law. So there must be righteousness for everyone who believes. Um, this idea of Christ being the end of the law. And I would honestly say that, like, I think that what Paul is saying over and over and over again is that Christ Jesus is everything. Like everything will lead us back to Christ. And like my fun way, um, I, um, I, I was recently diagnosed with autism in November and I've been like searching for like, what is my special interest and feeling kind of sad that I couldn't find one. But last night I was hanging out with our friend Amelia, 
Um, and we were talking about Twilight and I'm not even like a Twilight person, but I got really excited about it. And I realized that like the thing that I love to talk about is stories. Like, I just love stories. Um, like if I know what's going on, like the characters, like that just like makes my day. Like I love to talk about stories that I know. Um, so I'm just thinking like one thing that I say a lot is like a bug's life is like the best Pixar movie. No, I say, I say a bug's life is like the best, the best movie. Um, I haven't been on TikTok in a while, but back in the day, I think I had like the only bug's life appreciation TikTok. Um, but to me, like, really, I love that idea that like, even looking at a bug's life, right? <laughs> like a bug's life goes back to Jesus, right? Like Cinderella goes back to Jesus. Star Wars goes back to Jesus. Like, Anything we do, we can find Jesus there. Um, we can find Christ there. Um, like Jesus is just interwoven into everything, including something like the law, um, including something like our laws, even including something like the United Methodist Book of Discipline. And not that like that makes any of these things perfect. Um, I found one flaw with A Bug's Life. Um, but the fact that like Jesus is still like present, um, present in them nonetheless. Um, and with that, y'all can't see it, but I really appreciate your laughter, Brian. Um, <laughs> it's very validating for me. Um, with that, we're going to move up to our next question, which is like one of the ones that I personally love, which is what challenged you? And we are going to start with, um, I'm trying to, Grace just like posted some like anti-grasshopper content that I don't want to talk about, but, um, oh my gosh, but, um, Brian, could you, could you start us off with something that challenged you in the passage? I can, but I have to ask first, what is the one flaw with Bugs Life? Or will uh, that take too long? We can uh, talk about it later. I'm just curious. Um, it's honestly kind of shameful and it's actually like in the promotional videos I've watched for a bug's life. Um, they, I think that there is sexual harassment. In a oh, book. okay. If it's been years since I've seen it. About. So it's a serious objection. Yeah, no. Okay. Like, okay. Like okay. I heard it and I was like, Wow. Well, I like, didn't I didn't mean for my laughter to make light of that, by the way. I just thought it was interesting. You were no, like, I found no. one one flaw. And I was like, that's one amazing. Flaw. No, no, no. <laughs> one I single flaw. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's other flaws. Like that's the I would say a bug's life is like basically perfect. Um, uh, but then um yeah, if you look up if you're curious, if you look up like the main commercial or like promo for a bug's life. It's right there, but okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, what challenged you? Yeah. Um. It, again, it's it's a it's a thing that challenges me whenever I read Paul, and and it's one of my frustrations with him. Although I think that there's probably cultural elements that I don't understand at play, but Paul tends to remove himself sometimes from the groups that he's speaking to, and so he'll sort of like in this particular thing he'll kind of side with one and then he'll side with the other but i rarely see him use like us and we kind of language it's usually they and them sort of stuff and i get what he's trying to do when he's trying to bring these people together and and like even the book starts off with 
the whole first chapter is just like a giant setup for the second chapter, right? Like the whole first chapter is like those rotten pagans and they're doing all this terrible stuff and they're so gross and nasty. And, and the religious people are like, yeah, this is great. And then like chapter two, it's just like, how much worse is it for you? Because you know better and you still broke all the laws, you know? So I, I get what he's trying to do, but I just like, this is a guy who was like steeped in religious law who from the book of acts persecuted and even maybe killed or oversaw the executions of people who were following Jesus. And then sometimes the language that he uses is almost like you idiots. Why haven't you figured this out yet? And it's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe have just a little space here, Paul, uh, for the fact that like, uh, well, a, not everybody has done quite as much as you've done. So maybe don't get too judgmental right off the bat. Uh, and then maybe not everybody's been blessed with this, you know, God speaking to them in this like really super clear way and giving them very specific instructions, uh, you know, as to what to do. So I, at times I just feel like he removes himself and I just go back to like my, when I was in ministry, I, I learned early on, like to use us and we kind of language because it's just the idea of separating yourself and putting yourself above the people that you serve is just, it's sort of counter to the gospel. And like I said, I, I get what he's trying to do, but when he shifts to some of that they language, when he's talking about the Israelites, I feel like it encourages some of that uh, anti-Semitic thing that we were talking about. But then I think when it flips and it, and it talks about they, the Gentiles and stuff, you know, it, it becomes this sort of like religious um, uh, language that, that kind of, uh, I think, separates people a little bit more. And I think it's, it's as much the, the way that he's trying to ar- make an argument. And like I said, there's probably cultural elements at play, but there are times when that uh, bothers me a little bit. I gotta, I gotta, you know, s- settle down and maybe, you know, try and get, feel like I'm not, uh, Paul's maybe wagging his finger a little too much. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Brian. I, um, yeah, I really, um, you, we happen to pick someone who knows Romans really well. So I'm, I'm very grateful for your, <laughs> for your insights into all of this. Um, race, is there something that challenged you? Of course, of course. Um, I mean, Romans in general just stresses me out. And Brian, you pinpointed exactly why. It just gives me the ick. And I think a lot of it is Paul's finger wagging. It just, Romans gives me the ick. And a lot of it also goes back to the anti-Semitic part. Like it, it puts all these groups against each other for, for tactical poetic reason. But when we only pull those little bits, it just stresses me out and it gives me the ick. And those are two like very lighthearted ways to describe it. But for this specifically, if I'm thinking about what specifically pinpoints my struggles, um, the middle of Romans 10 just feels very gunky because it pinpoints it it just pinpoints my my struggles um when i was reading through it and i looked at 1018 it said they're d- discussing like sharing the gospel and it says but i ask have they not heard indeed they have for and he quotes he's quoting stuff again but it says for their voice has gone out to all the earth and there were words to the end of the world 
again, I asked, did Israel not understand? Like it's, it talks about how, like they get it, they're hearing it. But it really hits me when we go a little bit earlier and it starts at 14. And I already started, I didn't even realize that I read this, but I looked back and it started pinpointing my thoughts because it's like, well, how are they going to call on somebody that they don't know? And how are they going to believe in someone that they've never heard of? And how are they going to do that without somebody to proclaim it to them? And how are they going to proclaim them unless like those, those people are sent? And then what happens like, like that is so stressful. And I love the community element that exists here. We're like, you gotta, you gotta share the good stuff. And in a functional way where it actually like impacts people and is good to them, not in like a, have you heard? Do you know? Have you read the Bible? But in like a, like, this is a really beautiful thing. And like, I'd love to share it. Like, it stresses me out because what if the word comes across wrong and what happens if like somebody, like the wrong person tries to share it? And then like, what if somebody like uses it in a bad way and shares it? and then the text just told me right away it's like like it's fair like it's fair to be worried about that and also it's going to be okay and the community element is really what gets me because it's like it is so hard to rely on community it just is (laughs) um and I love to I love to be good at doing things I love to be good at it and I just unpacked a lot of this in my mentor sessions um for candidacy but i just i love to be the person who's good at stuff and who fixes stuff and i was a smart kid and when i don't do it right i don't i don't feel good but there's just other people other people are there to do that too like other people are we're a community and so it just it just hit, it just slapped me. This part of the text just like slapped me and was like, okay, remember that thing you were working on? Keep doing it. Um, and then also at the very end of 10 in 21, it's just so relatable. Um, Cause he's saying all day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And it's like, yes. Like you're just holding your hands out and you're doing this good thing that you believe in. So you're actually doing the good thing and you're not seeing any impact. You don't even know if you're impacting people. So even if you've gotten over the thing where like you can't do it all by yourself and you have to trust that the things that you're doing are going to be enough, you might not even know if it's enough. You might not see any impact and like, it's just too real. That's where I struggle is it's too real for my liking right now. I, um, I also really struggle with it because, um, the book that we've been using to guide us through the Roman series is Romans for Normal People. And when I read about 9, 10, 11, um, it really seemed, I mean, he had a really good job explaining it, but it. Uh, it just seemed to me, um, and your perspective on it, Brian, is really helping me of applying it to our context and our um, social Christian context. Um, but it 
it just bothers me how, um, yeah, I think what you're saying, Brian, of like the way that Paul like separates himself in that way. Like, I don't really, and I don't know, right? Like I'm not, I'm not trained to like read the Bible. Like I don't really fully understand what's going on here. But when he talks about like what he understands the Jewish community as doing wrong, like sometimes he's like, oh, you're zealous. And I used to be zealous, but um, and maybe I just like fundamentally misunderstand Paul. But a lot of times he's like, oh, no, like I'm so um, I'm so much worse than you because I know that I'm worse than you. Like he does this thing like it's like a humble brag, but like even worse than a hum- humble brag right? He's like, oh, like, I can tell you this because, like, I'm awful too, but, like, I know it and you don't know it. Um, He just, like, I don't know, like, he just, like, there's just, like, such a tonal problem for me. Um, I also generally struggle with, um, I also generally struggle with, um, (laughs) I also generally struggle with um, (laughs) the um, I'm a person who, um, I believe that faith is important. Like to me, faith is important because one, like it, it gives me so much in life, but I also understand faith as like a way of returning God's friendship. Like in my head, the way I understand the world is that like, I think what God wants from us is to like love each other. Like that's what God wants. And if we did that, like we would be living according to what God wants. But if like humans just existed and we learned how to love each other without like knowledge of God, in my head, like the thing that God would deal with in that situation. And I don't know, but like in my head, I imagine that would make God feel lonely and disconnected from us, like disconnected from this thing that God had made. Um, and so my idea to me, why I understand faith is important and my relationship with God is like, that's one way of thanking God. Like, I think God feels thanked and loved and seen when I, when I love other people, I think like God feels fundamentally connected to that. But it's this way of saying like, oh no, God, like I see you too. Like I acknowledge you and, um, like I, I want I want you to be a part of my story too. Um, in this conscious way that God values. Um, I don't really, um, and maybe like I'm about to go to seminary, like maybe I'll be challenged on this, but I really don't like the idea that like someone has to believe a certain thing to like go to heaven. Um, or, you know, like I, and I grew up Catholic, right? So like, I really value um, doing the right thing. I think that's deeply important. And to me, like God, like you were saying earlier, Grace, like, I think that God really values like how we treat other people. Like, um, I I think you brought up justice, Brian, I can't, (laughs) I'm losing my memory, but, um, but like God really values, like how we live out our values in community, like how we treat one another. I think God really, really, really cares about that. Um, And again, not that faith isn't important, but I just, I don't like the idea of faith being uh, like people feeling, like you said, Taylor, about like a little faith or a lot of faith, like 
God's love for us, God's care for us being dependent on our understanding of God. I really struggle with that. And not that that's like all that Paul's saying, but he definitely says some things that like trigger that like, oh, I don't don't like that. Um, But I, um, yeah, but I, yeah, I'm really glad to be here in this conversation with y'all. Taylor, what's something that challenged you? Before I begin, Rick, I really love your challenging point. Just like I could like resonate with it a little bit as well. Um, as far as like doing the right thing and making everybody happy, that's like something that I really value in my life. And then like I'm learning that like it can't happen all the time, but you could try your best to be that person. So it's kind of interesting that Grace's, what she liked, like the voice, the verses that she picked out was actually my challenge. And I'll go into why. <laughs> um, it's just, cause I was just like trying to find a challenge. I'm like, what can I think about as a challenge? So, um, um, so, I'm going to read it again. Sorry. Um, so, one then, what then shall we say that the Gentiles, this is the NIV version, that the Gentiles who do not pursue righteousness have attained it, a righteousness as by faith, but the people of Israel who pursue the law as a way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursue it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. No, that's it. Um, so my challenge was, I think I had an overarching like, question about it. Like, why is righteousness more achievable by faith than by works? Um, and I would think that pursuing righteousness would make it more achievable than not pursuing it. Um, but I can see how it could be more achievable by faith because it's all about your mindset and how you approach it, not the work that you do. So it could go either way, but still tell me because I'm like, what was the attempt? What was the per what was the uh who wrote this? Um, whoever wrote this, uh what was their intent? What were they trying to say? So that was the challenge for me in this passage. Thank you for sharing that, Taylor. Um, and now we are on to the fun part, the pulling everything together, weave, interweaving everything together part, um, where we talk about what is the blessing that you found from this Life I Sing in Bible and Breathe. If you don't have anything, that's fine. If you're repeating something, that's fine. But what is like through our conversation and through our time of this passage, like what is one blessing that you're pulling away from it? If you're able and Grace, if you could start us off with this. Yeah. So I almost like blanked. Um because I had Romans 9 two pulled up, which is not the blessing verse that I'd intended because Romans 9 two says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart 
which again is so true, but that's not the blessing that I found. The blessing is in Romans 10 too. Um, and that is talking about the zeal. It says, I can testify that they have a zeal for God, but it is not enlightened. And it's talking about like, nope, I'm starting over. We're going to have to cut that part. Um, and Romans 10 too says, I can testify that they have a zeal for God, but it is not enlightened. And so I think that this enlightenment that happens is the blessing. Even though he's saying that they're not enlightened at the moment. And Taylor, you said that you weren't sure what Paul was saying with this. He goes back and forth enough. Does he know what he's saying with this? Because that's questionable too. You know, he he goes back and forth all over the place. Um, But here, he's saying they're not enlightened and that they're ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God. And they're trying to establish their own righteousness and not submitting to God's righteousness. But I think that this enlightenment of this new peace is the blessing. Um, And I was taking notes while we were talking because of course it all comes together when we're in community, when we're in discussion. But when we know that God loves and chooses us, we're free to act without the burden of freeing ourselves via those actions. It's just, and that's the enlightenment. Yeah. And then I said it was gunky, but here we go. Cause I'm going back to 10, 20 and 21 and talking about like, again, just standing there with your hands out. And he says, I have been found by those who did not, or let me read the NRSV because I love the way they phrase this. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, what is that? He is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people, blah, blah, blah. Like, to hold your hands out, and you have no idea what's going to happen, that just feels so hopeful. You have zero positive response, and you still believe that it's the right thing to do. And you don't do it because the action is virtuous. You do it because you have that enlightenment and you know that God loves you and chooses you and chooses everybody else. So you are going to stand there with your hands out because just maybe, just maybe there's a hope that your hands out might impact somebody and your zeal might push forward onto somebody else in a positive way. I, um, that's the blessing that I hope happens. Yeah. This is like pretty niche, but what you just said about like waiting, like loving God and waiting in confidence, like with your hands just out with hope. Um, I might be quoting all of that in my like seminary scholarship application. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, that, that felt a little too real. Like, yeah, that felt a little too real. Well, they're going to um, see two people with the exact same writing, Brooke. As if they read it. I'm sure they, like, put our paper applications that we mail in through, like, AI 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Have mercy on us. Um, but I, um, yes. So my blessing that I'm getting from the text. Okay, so I'm going to go back to talking about what happened to me yesterday. Um, what I what I helped happen to myself. Um, I went with Grace and Amelia to the Van Gogh experience. It's actually called Beyond Van Gogh, an immersive experience. Um, and the idea that I, if I remember correctly, it was a lot of words. Um, if I remember correctly, the idea with Beyond Van Gogh is for us to see beyond, beyond like this idea of Van Gogh and into like the person the man okay flash forward i don't think this is spoilers for jesus christ superstar though like grace acted like it was i don't think this is spoilers but like you can skip ahead if you think it is um we went to see jesus christ superstar me and amelia and grace who saw it on wednesday um was saying to us like it's really interesting to like think about this with the themes of jesus of jesus christ superstar and Amelia and I were like riding back from the show and we were like, what was Grace talking about? But Grace explained, Grace explained that what Grace meant is that, um, gosh, and I told her I wouldn't quote this because it sounds kind of heretical. Um, but she said that like the idea of <laughs> the idea of Jesus Christ superstar is like Jesus, Judas, like they're just men. I don't think just to clarify, I don't think, I don't think. I don't think Grace is like denying Jesus's humility, but it was really like emphasizing the humanity of these two characters that I think we make um, missing a lot, like the man, the myth, the legend. I think with some of these people like Van Gogh, Judas, Jesus, like we can let the story and the myth get so much bigger than that person and like what, um, like what their experience was and the way that we connect to them person to person. So from this conversation, I'm really thinking about, um, and it's not like I'm not a person who's inclined to do this, right? Like I'm, I'm a person who's inclined to like, you know, just like leave all of Paul's letters behind. Cause I'm like, Oh, like he was a flawed human being and it doesn't really seem relevant <laughs> to what I'm doing with my life. Um, Holding that idea of like, yes, Paul is human. Um, and yes, like I I agree. Like when I read him writing back and forth, right? Like it's like he'll say this, he'll say this, he'll say this, he'll say this. Like to me, reading personally at this time, it's like I don't know if he like knows what he's quite saying yet. Um, honestly, I'm gonna talk about this tonight with my message. Um we listen to Hamilton on the way back from our retreat. And honestly, no, like Paul gives me like a lot of Alexander Hamilton energy where like, he's just like saying so much. He's saying so much. And like, I don't know if he like quite even understands like what he's saying. He's just like, he's just like, I've got to put it onto the world. Like I'm going to put it onto the world. Um, but to me, like identifying not only that Paul has, like human flaws, but also thinking about like Paul, he has human flaws, right? But he also has human insight. Like he was a human just as I was a human. Um, he was a faithful person. He's someone who's important in the history of our church. And he has he has something to share 
um, that's a benefit, that's a value, um, that can guide us. And and for me, I always love, um, since the stay inside time in 2020, I've really gone deep into like envisioning stories when I hear them, right? Or understanding things like visually. Um, so I'm also bringing with me like this curiosity now, um, like what you mentioned, Brian, in the first part about like what is happening in this story? Like, what is the setting that Paula is writing to? Um, what, who are the people who are receiving this? How are they receiving it? But kind of like bringing my biblical imagination into the sharing and writing of um, Paul's letters too, which um, is opening for me. Um, all right. And now I'm going to ask Taylor if you have any blessing that you would like to share with us. Yeah. So I found a connection kind of um with Romans eleven, sixteen, twenty, which is what I listed and what I liked. And also Romans eleven verses thirty to thirty-two. Um so it's kind of it's talking about like um like if you are holy like everyone is holy too but what verses thirty through thirty two in chapter eleven are saying is that even though we may disobey God, like he still wants to take us as his own and like call us his child. Yeah. I think that's my blessing, like seeing the comparison that like if you are holy then everyone is holy and then or like you can like work yourself in to make yourself holy and then um if you disobey God, God's still going to like show himself to you and like make himself known. But he's understanding that you will take him as you are and like you will do with him what you want. Kind of. So yeah, that is my blessing that I found in the passage. Thank you, Taylor. Um and finally, Brian, what is a blessing that you found in the passage? I had a quick question for you. Um, you mentioned uh, Romans for Normal People. Is this Pete N's book? So it's actually, I don't know the author off the top of my head, but it's from the same series um, the Bible for Normal People are making. But it's not Pete N's, but it is Roman Scholar. Oh, okay. Um, so, that, yeah, they're doing a whole series. Yeah, I, mostly I just referenced that because uh, I studied some of Pete's stuff in, in seminary and I think he was sort of on the front end of a lot of the deconstructing that yeah. I did, uh, which was great. And then that their their podcast like saved me. I mean, just mm-hmm. from a standpoint of not feeling like I had to jettison every part of my my faith or, or background. So Bible for Normal People podcast is outstanding stuff to to grab. So anyway, it's by um, J.R. Daniel Kirk. OK. Cool. All right. I'll take a look at it. Yeah, because I know they've released a whole series of those. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so blessing, uh, it's, it's kind of a bigger 
thing and I'll try not to get too lost in it, but it's, it's something that over time has given me a lot of, uh, a lot of encouragement. So I think Paul would probably be mortified that we're sitting around 2000 years later, um, talking about a letter that he wrote to some people in Rome. <laughs> um, if you can imagine like anything that you've, uh, said or, or written in a sermon or a lesson format, like people 2000 years down the road, still like, Hey, let's see what Grace had to say about this topic. <laughs> you know, you just be like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? Like that people are still talking about it. So I, I, I try to lighten up a little bit with Paul because I think, um, Paul's just writing a letter. He doesn't know he's writing half the new Testament. Right. And, and he's writing a, a letter to a group of people really at the back end of his ministry. Uh, he would, he's, he's basically <clears throat> about to be, uh, imprisoned for the last time and, and killed, uh, things are kind of coming to a head and this sort of stands as like a, his magnum opus, you know, this letter, this, all this theology that he's putting out there. And I think so much of it is him trying to squeeze so many things into like one, one last like hurrah, if you will, um, is sort of the way I look at it. And it's the, the, the blessing is that it, it reads like it's a really, it's a developing theology, right? Like it's not the final word on all of it. It's, it's, Paul trying to make sense of a thing that he was handed that he thought was set and, and, and done and finished. And now this whole new thing opens up in front of him and he's like, Oh, everything I thought I understood, I need to kind of unpack and, and, and I need to sort of jettison some things that don't belong. And I need to embrace some other things uh, that do. And I, I need to um, make sense of all of this. And, and so you see him trying to do that like throughout Romans, but particularly in this section because he's really wrestling with them. What is the whole point of the law, right? Like what, what is it even valuable for? I dedicated my whole life to memorizing it, to living it uh, with this like, you know, deep zealousness. And yet I am uh, befuddled by what, what is, it doesn't appear to mean anything based on, you know, my own interactions and kind of how I'm going with this. So I love that Paul is embracing. It's even like when you go see uh, Peter, when he's up on the roof, praying and acts think it's like acts 10 and the blanket comes down and it's like go you know eat and and uh peter's like oh no 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 like i would never defile myself with that stuff and then god's like don't call anything unclean that i've called clean and it's just like this beautiful opening of the story that's like there's there, there's no more like us and them there's just us and like peter takes off and he goes to cornelius's house and like he's like oh god was already here like, I'm not even bringing God with me. Like, he's already here. I just, I'm, you know, going to tell him more about it. And then he goes back to the, like the Jewish council and he's like, guys, like this thing is so much bigger than we realize. Like we're, we're just really at the very, you know, beginning of this whole thing that Jesus was telling us about. And so you see Paul, like trying to bring the salvation theology, this uh, Christology, like however you want to look at it together to make sense. And I think a lot of times for, for a lot of us and having been around church, like, most of my life uh, it, we're handed Romans and we're handed the Romans road of like these out of order, out of context verses. And this is all really it takes. Right. And so, and then Jesus is kind of like ignored in terms of the gospels, right. You just come to those later, but like, this is how you get saved is what Paul said. And I just think Paul would probably be like, what are you talking about? You're going to start with me. You're not going to start with Jesus. Like start, start there and then come read some of my stuff later, you know? And, um, so I think a lot of that, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of meandering a bit, but 
I love the idea that the final word hasn't been said yet and that there's still new understandings and expressions um, of, of what Jesus is doing in the world. And that the more space we make for that, I think the more room we leave for grace and for love and, um, and just recognizing inherently that we just don't have all the answers to all of these things. And, um, you know, just as like the, uh, these ancient people sometimes looked at the law as sort of the God's final word on things, but really it's a developmental theology. It's a movement towards uh, a goal ultimately of, of God's justice and God's righteousness and God's grace and God's love being poured out on, on everyone. And so I love that you can see Paul just wrestling with this and trying to make it make sense for a group of people, but also trying to like leave some space that this isn't the last thing to be said about this. This is just a thing to be said about this and that there's space like for us 2000 years later to still have a conversation and to still kind of bring some new things to the surface and still understand salvation and, uh, and some really new and like fresh ways. And so like, so one of the other blessings was going back, listening to these, uh, episodes with you guys is like clearly the culture that you guys have created in this ministry is one where people can just share like doubts or questions or uh like struggles freely and safely and like just how beautiful that was to like hear that right off the bat because like a lot of what i did in youth ministry was try to cultivate that create a safe spot to share those sorts of things and it wasn't always cherished by folks um the youth did, but sometimes people are like, oh, you know, the kids are asking too many questions and you're like, no, this is, this is what they should do. This is like, should be the safest place. And, uh, and so the, the leaders that I served with and stuff really embraced that. And it was such a, an important thing. And so I just feel like the people who have given me the most permission to like ask questions, like are the people who have helped me to grow the most. And so that was just such a blessing to see like that there is a ministry at work where one of its core like things is like, you're safe here. And you can ask, you can talk, you can share. And, and what we are really looking for is authenticity and honesty versus, you know, some sort of like made up, uh, you know, pretty form of Christianity that doesn't maybe show all the, the warts, if you will. So anyway, that was another blessing, just catching back up with what you guys did. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for saying that, Brian. Um, I don't know. We were like playing, uh, <laughs> we were playing this game of like, getting to know you cards, I guess, that Haley got from this event. Um, and one of the questions is like, what's something that like you really love? Um, and I don't know, some of these questions were like weird to answer. <laughs> so we were all just kind of like, oh, like, what are we going to say? And I was like, you know, I, I really love CCW. And, <laughs> and Haley was like, yeah, Brooke, we all know that's true. Um, I just like, I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I'm a really big fan of CCW. Um, I, I appreciate you saying that because I, um, it's just, it's so important to me. I've said, my parents know I feel this way and like they're, they're, they understand, like I consider CCW like the greatest gift that God has ever given me. Um, not life, not, <laughs> not like, not like a home. <laughs> it's CCW. Um, but I, um, I really appreciate that. I, um, yeah, I, and sometimes I forget, you know, cause I'm in CCW so much, like I forget how special it is. 
But then I talked to someone who like is in a CCW environment and they're like, oh my gosh. I'm like, they're like, are we, I'm allowed to ask this question. Like I'm allowed, like you, you actually want to like talk to me about this. Um, and like, you're, <laughs> you're not just going to like judge me or hate me like it. Um, and to me, I'm just like, yeah, of course. Um, and I, I, I really wish and hope, I mean, the fact that like, you're a person who's really passionate about making those spaces. And I'm sure, I'm sure that you did that at Lakewood. Um, the fact that we do have people who are so passionate about making these spaces, I know they're going to grow more and more, but I, um, I really appreciate hearing that affirmation about CCW. It's really beautiful. And if you're a person, um, so one of the, one of the people who got me into CCW is Gabby. I just sent her this podcast. Um, so we'll see if she listens. Um, but she has a funny story where she, um, so CCW, we had our 10th year anniversary. I think we're on like year 11 or something like that. Um, but Gabby found the CCW podcast the year that they became a ministry. She, <laughs> I don't know, like she was in Ohio. She had no connection to CCW, but she just came across this podcast, right? And then the next year she went to JU and she happened to run into CCW their second year of being a podcast. Like, sometimes the Holy Spirit just works like that. Now, if you were a college-aged young adult who has nothing to do with CCW and you just came across this podcast, I I hope we can drag you into seven years of CCW-ness like we did with Gabby. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, um, that was a long one. Um, but thank you all for being here. Um, I really appreciate the conversation. I appreciate and love all of you. Um, and Grace is going to close us with our final prayer, our first prayer and our last prayer of the podcast. Um, thank you, Grace. The prayer. All right. Hi, God. Thank you so much just for bringing us here. Um, I also just forget how special CCW space is. And I thank you that, that we do have a space that we can just, just show up. Um, I guess that's why I love Mary Magdalene because she can just show up. But I am so thankful for our leaders and for the people that we invite into this space. Um, and the fact that we do ensure that this, that this is a space that we can share what we love. If it's a bug's life, where we can ask questions, we can ask, is Jesus real? We can ask, you know, why Why does this passage sound anti-Semitic? We can ask all sorts of stuff. And we can have conversations. Um, I thank you for, for everybody on this episode of our podcast and everybody else who's been on it and... I thank you for this community. Um, I thank you for your blessings of your prevenient grace and your justifying and your sanctifying. And I thank you for, for this freedom of not having to act by law out of requirement. But I thank you that, that we're just free to exist as we are and to bring others into this safe space as well. Um, and so I ask that we can keep that in mind. For me specifically, I ask that that I can rely on people and that 
and that that can be a safe thing. Um, and I ask that we can all find find peace in these passages, even when they're a bit confusing, a bit stressful. I ask that you hold on to us and that you guide us during this Lenten season. And again, I just thank you that we that we have the opportunity to be here. The Coliseum Podcast is a production of Campus to City Wesley, serving college-aged young adults in Jacksonville, St. Augustine, and Northeast Florida. Thank you to our host, our guests, our production staff for their work on this episode. We'll talk to you next week.